The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. I'm delighted to be back with you for yet another week. And today we're going to talk about PowerPoint surgery, about creating great slides that make your message stick. Before we do that, I'd like to say thank you to my recent show guest, Amy Bran, who I thought gave a great account on how we can use neuroscience to help us to be more effective with our business dealings. If you're interested in kind of cutting-edge um, sort of psychology and uh, how the brain works and those sorts of things uh, and how you can use that in your business, do check out that recording. There was a lot of Twitters and things going on around it. Um, also, thank you to Graham Codrington, who's uh, a, a expert on the future, uh, who, whose show on how to deal with disruptive change was repeated last week due to the studio being closed for Independence Day celebration. So if you were celebrating Independence Day uh, last week, then I hope you had a good break. So my guest this week is someone that I've known for a while, who has a very valuable message for anyone wishing to communicate effectively. Now, I saw um, Lee speak um, a year or two ago on this subject of PowerPoint surgery, and it really did uh, resonate and hit, a, hit home with me and, and changed my behavior uh, considerably when it comes to PowerPoint, because bad PowerPoint and boring presentations, they're, they're pretty much everywhere really, aren't they? And in some areas, it appears that they've almost become the norm. And in many cases, people are just completely oblivious to it. I can still remember a client coming into one of my training sessions many years ago, and uh, we had a, a break for this client to come in to, uh, to share some information about his function with a, a number of new sales recruits. And he came in and he tried to deliver a 140-slide deck of PowerPoint slides. I managed after about 100 when the time was up to get him out of the room. Um, but it was incredible. And it, but it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Because bad presentations are actually really costly. They can cost money. They can cost jobs and reputations. And they can cause you or your people to lose sales pitches if you don't get them right. In the last few weeks, I facilitated a tender on behalf of a client to find a firm who could support a major project. And one supplier I actually had to exit at the very start of the process due to, amongst other factors, a poor presentation. Yet they were actually the biggest company in the pitch, and they really should have known better. My guest today is Lee Jackson, who is an international speaker. He's a PowerPoint surgeon, a presentation coach, and author of seven books, including PowerPoint Surgery. If you want to gain the PowerPoint edge, this show is going to be a must, I can assure you. Having worked in the voluntary public and private sectors over the years, he now works in businesses and education, helping people to enjoy and succeed in challenging times. 
He's also a fellow of and a president of the Professional Speaking Association in Yorkshire. He lives with his wife and twins in West Yorkshire, so he's got a northerner, he's got a northern accent, a little bit like myself. Um, he also says he loves a good laugh, boxer size and basketball, but he's not keen, you know, he's keen to let us know that he doesn't like gardening. So uh, nobody contact him and say, could you do our garden, please? So, Lee, <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to, uh, to the show today. Thank you very much, Chris. It's great to be here. And it is true, I don't like gardening. Um, I, I put that on my bio because everyone used to put on their bio, I do like gardening. So I thought I'd put that, don't like it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Excellent. I do like gardening, actually, but I don't put it on my bio. That's oh, well, that's nice. Well, I mean, I, I like sitting in a garden, Chris, but I don't particularly like doing anything in it. Um, I like doing the sort. I like doing the physical stuff. And <laughs> stuff. And I, I find it therapeutic, but I don't like um, you know, planting little flowers and things. So that's my... My wife enjoys that more than I do. Um, so, Lee, what what got you into PowerPoint surgery in preference to, amongst other things, gardening? <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> well, anything except for gardening. Uh, I mean, I mean, basically, I mean, uh, you know, I am a professional speaker. That's my job, Chris. So, I I travel all over the UK and you know abroad too, and and, and I, I speak for a living. And at the end of one presentation, um, I got some feedback. You know, people come up to you often at the end of a presentation and. You know, they either want to, you know, say thank you, shake your hand, or maybe even sign a book, you know, or, or maybe, you know, give them a piece of your mind sometimes if it's a strong subject. But this person came up to me at the end of her talk and they said to me, I really loved your slides. And, uh, and I was kind of a little bit disappointed, Chris. You know, I thought, <laughs> I thought, didn't you mean my message was inspirational, you know? And they said, I really liked your slides. And then the penny kind of dropped, really. I had what I call a ding moment and a little bell went off in my head and I went ding. I thought, ah, oh, maybe everyone's slides aren't as good as mine. So maybe I should start thinking and talking about that. And so I just started a five-year journey really to start reading and researching that subject of presentation slides. And that ended up in the book PowerPoint Surgery, which came out in 2013. Fantastic. Well, it's a really good niche. I've not seen anybody else focusing in on that, but it is something that you know many people really can benefit from, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when, I've, when I sometimes go into clients, uh, you know, go into companies and stuff, I'll, I'll often say to them, you, you know, as an office worker, most of your team has probably had more training on how to lift a box safely so they don't damage their back <laughs> or how to, you know, what to do when the fire alarm rings than they have actually on, on PowerPoint or Keynote or Prezi or whatever software they use to present because... You know, it's it's just presumed that leaders can present well and use slides well. And the sad fact is, as we as we travel around, Chris, was, a lot of people just can't do that. So I guess we're we're talking kind of generically here. We use the word PowerPoint a bit like using a Hoover, I guess. Uh, in that, uh, some people are maybe using Macs like me and use Keynote. Um, some people might use Prezes. Is, is that the case? We're talking generically here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but PowerPoint is just a, the Microsoft version of slide software. There is, there is six, seven, eight or more different types of software you can use. It just means anything that creates visuals for your, for your talks. Excellent. So what are, from your experience, Lee, because you must really home in on this, what are the problems that you see with the way that people tend to approach PowerPoint presentations? Yeah. Um, ultimately, there is there is a, there's, a, well, there's there's lots of problems. <laughs> uh, one the, the one of the main problems is is what I call um, doing the default. 
Um, so when you talk to people, when, when they say, oh, you've got a presentation to deliver next week, what they do is they open up PowerPoint or Keynote and they click New Document because they think that's how you start to write a new talk. And unfortunately, the default setting in most, of, most presentation software is title, then followed by bullet points. And so people just start, that's where the rot sets in. And so they start to just do it everything in that format. And so they don't stop and step away from the computer. And so everything becomes formulaic, formulaic is that a word? Formulaic uh, with titles, bullet points, titles, bullet points, titles, bullet points, until we all fall asleep. So I suppose, I suppose kind of this sort of behavior, everybody else then sees that sort of behavior and kind of, accept it as the norm because that's the way we we tend to do things yeah i mean i i, I sort of in, in the when i was marketing my book i mean the big marketing thing on, on, on my book of powerpoint surgery was basically telling people that nobody wants to talk about this it was like you know uh, the elephant in the room as we often say here in the uk and maybe that will happen in the us as well but you know the elephant in the room is like there's a big problem here but no one's talking about it and um I think the issue was when a colleague of ours that we won't that I won't name, but a professional speaker colleague of ours that's in the PSA sent me a slide deck that she'd been sent from another speaker on a day that she was presenting, and it had a hundred and sixty-seven slides, Chris. So I beat your one hundred and forty. You had a hundred and sixty-seven slides, not one picture, and every single one of those slides had the same corporate template and all had bullet points. And it's like, it's like nobody wanted to mention it, you know. Oh, my word. It's like, for me, that is just to have to sit through that and utilize some of my life to sit through 167 slides in a slide deck is just uh, appalling. Yeah, and, and it's just laziness, you know. Like, you know, your radio show here, you know, is full of great advice about mindset isn't it and neuroscience and entrepreneurial skills and and we, we grab all of that stuff readily you know we want to change our attitude we want to be positive we want to work through tough stuff but yet we don't talk about how bad our slides are <laughs> so have you have you come across i mean you must have written your book have you come across any other examples which because you've trumped my 140 and um, yeah. i, I I send my condolences to that uh, lady who sent you those slides. But have you seen any other examples that really stick out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some cracking examples. Um, I, I've, started, I've got a few clients in the, um, in, in the, in the, in the law sector, in the, the legal, legal services area. And it appears that legal services um, and some public sector organizations are, are, are certainly seem to be the worst, mm. that they seem to breed this stuff. There's something about lawyers and lots of writing. And so even when they present, they put lots of writing on, you know. Um, so I, I was coaching um, a partner of a law firm uh, only, a few, only a few weeks ago and uh, was able to coach her. And the main thing I coached her on was to tell the stories and to, you know, let the stuff come alive and get away from the bullet points on the screen. And she did really well and she pitched for loads of work, which was lots and lots of work. And she got that stuff because she was able to share her stories of success within her legal firm and not just the endless kind of text and bullet points that she might normally have done. Yes, Susie, what you're talking about there is a great example of, of developing a skill that enables you to stand out. 
from from everybody else, which has got to be a good thing as long as it's uh, done well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's almost like I think a lot of large corporations have brought in like a standard PowerPoint template um, because they had lots of random things happening beforehand. I think that's what happened. But you know, so they had lots of people having you know bright orange or bright green kind of slides or bright you know, yellow, and it, everything looked awful. And so they tried to standardize everything to make things look a bit more corporate and a bit better. But in in the process of doing that. They threw the baby out with the bathwater, and they made everyone write bullet points. Can, can you remember the days when we used to uh, use like acetates and write on them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OHPs as they were called. Oh, uh, certainly in the UK, overhead projectors uh, with an acetate, and you used to write with that big bulb that used to shine in your face. Yes, it's like a forty-watt bulb, wasn't it? And you wrote on that. But uh, even before then, of course. Um, there was uh, transparencies or slides uh, that you'd use, so you'd have to actually, you know, get like a slideshow with a, with a you know, a thing with a, uh, oh, yeah. uh, and this little machine going around. Uh, but of course, with in those days, those things were kind of um, they were more expensive. So if you want to, you have to make sure you had, to, you know, if you want to make a transparency, it would cost you some money to do it. Mm-hmm. So basically, it would it would make you think about what you were doing very carefully but you know even an acetate was quite expensive to buy initially and it would be expensive but then what's happened is because the software is so readily available most computers have powerpoint or or something uh, a keynote or something then what it is now it's actually become too easy chris so we we actually just throw stuff together and so we, we we've kind of lost the Art of restraint, really. becomes another task, doesn't it? I suppose that's one of the benefits of learning to speak professionally and use slides professionally in that when you speak professionally and the standard tends to be high out there, you, you really have to put some time and effort. It's not just another task, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's part of, it's part of the presentation. It's part of the preparation. It's part of what, what we need to do. Um, so, you know, a lot, some time to make that happen. Um, just like anything else, you know, I even spoke to a, a a very successful professional speaker who admitted to me that they spend hours and days crafting their talks, but they just throw their slides together and send them off. <laughs> and I was really shocked. You know, I was like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you spend so much time making a great talk and then just chuck some bullet points at it? We've got a couple of minutes before we go into commercial break now, but um, and in your book you mentioned something called cognitive load theory. Um, do you want to try and explain that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, I wanted to sound really clever and uh, educated, <laughs> so I thought I'd throw this in, Chris. You know what I mean? That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cognitive load theory, in, in layman's terms, is basically your, your brain has limited capacity in the front part of your brain, which is where you take in that information. I think it's the frontal cortex. So, in other words, do you ever have that? Do you ever have that feeling when you you've locked your front door, but then you get in the car and you go, "Have I locked the front door?" Most days. Most days. <laughs> it's that. It's that. I think part of it is that we we can only hold up to six bits of information in the front part of our brain. So the reason we do that is because we've got the car keys and we think I've got to put something in the boot and then I've got to put do something else. I've got to grab that shopping and then we've got all these things and then we forget what we're doing. And so basically, cognitive load theory is, is, is this. I can either watch and listen to a speaker or I can read 
a complex slide. And I can't do both at the same time. So it's, it's about understanding that there's limitations in our brain. And sometimes you just cannot do both things at the same time. And so you, if you've got a complex slide with loads of words on there, people are reading ahead of you and ignoring your personality and your stories and your presentation. Yeah. So really, you might as well just email them and not, not bother turning up. Yeah. And I guess, um, I guess it's not necessarily, if you've got a complex slide, um, people aren't necessarily going to think you're clever, are they? In fact, it could be the reverse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because actually, you're, you're, you know, the kind of cleverness or the experience of what you do in your job comes out in in question and answers, and it comes out, you know, in a Q and A at the end of a session, or it comes out in some stories that you tell. It doesn't come out in here's here's some stuff that I've copied and pasted off my company website. Okay, we're going to get a commercial break now, and after the break, we're going to start to get into, uh, you know the real benefits of uh, creating great slides and how to get on and do it. So some really practical stuff coming over to you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Are the challenges of economic uncertainty and the pressures of global competition wreaking havoc on your company strategy? To succeed in today's fast-paced, high-tech business landscape, companies must continually adapt while driving innovation and exploiting new opportunities. Listen for Quantum Business Insights with host Olivia Parr-Rudd. Our guests will include thought leaders from around the world discussing and exploring the concepts that will move companies forward in these uncertain times. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Lee Jackson, the PowerPoint surgeon, and we're talking about creating great slides that make your message stick. So, uh, Lee, 
Um, before the break, we were talking about you know some of the challenges and issues, and you talked about uh, cognitive load theory, which makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, we can only hold so much in our mind at one time. Um, but what do you think are the the real main benefits for you know taking the responsibility to create some really great slides? Yeah, well, I think as a leader, you know, we we have to take responsibility. So, you know, if our business is failing, we need to take responsibility. If we've, if we've got stuff in our personal life, we need to take responsibility and make that happen. If we're unhealthy, we need to take some responsibility and eat better and all that kind of stuff. And the same with presentations. You know, it's about literally taking responsibility. The slides, the software is not the issue. It's me that's the issue. So I would say if you're an entrepreneurial, an entrepreneurial leader, then take responsibility for your visuals for your slides, however you use them, PowerPoint or whatever, take responsibility and then you'll find that you, you know, create ultimately a better presentation, you get remembered more and when you get remembered, you get more bookings, you get more bookings, your bottom line looks better. Excellent. Now, we're talking here about using slides, Lee, but I've got to ask the question because some people, and, and I've done it myself sometimes, don't actually use slides. I mean, what's your opinion on when and when not to use them? Yeah, well, I, I always teach people when I'm coaching them, the first question about slides you should ever ask is, do I actually need them? <laughs> so it's literally pressing pause at the beginning of your preparation and going, do I need them in this context? Um, and, you know, like, for instance, you know, uh, there's been talks that I've done where I deliberately don't use them. I've decided, you know, I'm going to try them without them or where it's just not possible. So maybe you're in a venue that doesn't, it doesn't make that possible you know I was in one recently and you know it was such a random venue it was just impossible there was no way you could get a screen there so I thought well I just tell my stories and I just I don't need them and uh, so really you just have to decide do I need them because if you're in a you know if you're in a room with three people and you've got a big old screen there do you really need loads of slides in that context or would a conversation be more even even more appropriate in that way and I guess if you're if you're able to work with or without them, then you've got the flexibility, haven't you? That that situation, if you were reliant on PowerPoint and you got to that venue which couldn't take slides, you'd look to, you know, a bit of a fool, wouldn't you? Um, bit of a muppet, as they say in the trade. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Uh, sometimes you could you could put them in front of you, so you you know you can put your laptop in front of you and speak from them if if that's what you're worried about. But really, you, you we should learn our message. And, you know, learning our message is easy enough. And we can have little cards. We can have a sheet of paper with a few little notes on it if that's what we need. But really, it's about learning our message. And most people, if they're talking about their role or their job or, you know, something from their personal life, they'll know the message anyway. Hmm. It seems appropriate to ask you uh, a question really related to that, which is, you know, some people almost need slides as a personal prop you know, to hide, hide behind or to make sure that they don't forget their, yeah. their key pointers. And what's your thoughts on that? Find another crutch. If you're using the slides as a crutch for your presentations, then you just haven't worked hard enough at remembering what you're doing or you don't trust yourself enough to do that. Mm. Slides, Chris, are for the audience. <laughs> They're not for the speaker. And you can, you know, you can use them and you can put uh, presentation notes underneath slides, both PowerPoint and Keynote can do that. But, uh, you know, and that, that's a good way of doing it. Often I'll do a printout of slides with a couple of notes afterwards. 
and I used them the other day. I was doing a, a 45 minute presentation at a leaders conference and I had my slides there and I had a couple of videos and stuff. And you know what? In, in 45 minutes, I probably glanced at my notes twice in 45 minutes. Because once I was in the moment, Chris, I was just going for it. You know what I mean? That's because you know your subjects so well too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so what, uh, what, in your opinion, constitutes great slides? Restraint constitutes great slides. <laughs> uh, what, what, what have you not put on there? You know, because designers don't just ask the question what they can put on, but actually what can you remove from it? So a great slide is most likely visually based. We can maybe talk about that uh, after the next break or something. But basically, it's about restraint. So what's the least stuff I could put on that slide to make it effective? Was it Mark Twain who said, I, I wrote a long book because I was too lazy to write a short one? Yeah, or, or maybe it was a letter, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't have time to write you a short letter or something. Well, he said, yeah, that was... <laughs> yes, be... which is that. I mean, if you want me to speak now on, you know, a subject on leadership or motivation or something, I can speak for two hours now without stopping. Uh, your listeners won't, you won't want that. But, uh, but, you know, if you want me to do three minutes on what motivates people, I'd need some time to prepare that. And, uh, you know, it's just about the, with slides, you know, just have, take a bit of time out, step, step away thinking, actually, is there an image here that I could use? Is there some, maybe just three or four words I can use that would make a difference here? So restraint, I think that's a really good, a really good pointer there about what we can leave out. Um, so how, you mentioned earlier a bit about planning presentations and actually that, that should start uh, not when you're sitting down at your computer having open PowerPoint. Uh, how, mm. in your opinion, do we best plan our presentations out? Mm, yeah, great question, Chris. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a geek, right? So I quite like computers. You know, I like messing about with stuff. I like creating stuff. Um, I, I'm not a nerd, I found out, but I'm definitely a geek. You know, there's, I think there's definitely a, a difference in the two. I'm definitely a bit geeky. Uh, but I have to sometimes pull myself away. Uh, so I'm sat here in my office, and I've got a really big magnetic whiteboard just to the right hand side of me and so I will often start either on blank or on blank pieces of paper um, or on a whiteboard just let my ideas flow let the ideas flow out I think every officer should have big whiteboards um, I bet you've got whiteboards too Chris haven't you I've got a great big one in front of me and uh, I absolutely love it in fact I'm just just admiring a bit of a space on my wall well I think um, you prompted me that I could put another one yeah, that's right. Yeah, having one for talks and then one for a to-do list or something would probably work, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah but, one sort of carved up into columns with the, the different things of targets and mm. performance and tasks, and it would be good to have one actually a, a task for today and task for the month, and uh, it would be good to have one actually for working things out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because uh, I mean, two things happen with the whiteboard. One is it just lets your mind flow. Because yeah, I always teach my clients, never use lined paper to plan a talk. Always use blank paper. Maybe turn it landscape too. You know, just let your mind, not a complex mind map if you're not into that, but just a spider graph, you know, of let your ideas flow and put them on the page so you don't put them into any order. Because your mind is always trying to order things and you don't know what order you want to put things in. That's what you do afterwards. So, so the queen of this is Nancy Duarte from Duarte Design, 
who wrote the book Slideology and Resonate, and she's one of the probably the probably the world's expert in this area. And she she like most presentation coaches would encourage you to use creative ways, a whiteboard, blank piece of paper, and then start to storyboard it. So buy yourself some really expensive post-it notes. Spend a pound or a dollar with some post-it notes. And then just start to write little big little notes on your post-it notes with a big pen. So you're not, 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 not a tiny little pen, but a big pen and just write, okay, intro, and then an idea for a story, and then video clip. And have all of these on um, post-it notes. And then you can put the post-it notes into order. So it's 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 like it's like a, like making a movie, you know, you're storyboarding something, an, an animation or something. Get the ideas flowing, get them into post-it notes, and then start to put them into some order. And th- and at that point, you could start to add slides. Great. So that, that makes a lot of sense because, as you say, most people will just start with slide number one and work through in a linear way. And what this is doing is saying, actually, that that linear way might not be the order. Yeah, because there's no creativity in, in in linear working. You know, even if you're an organised kind of you know person who likes everything in a box and all that kind of stuff, actually, it's you still need to let your mind flow. So I I love to know about a talk that I'm doing. You know, like I've got and I've got one on my mind at the moment that I'm doing in three weeks' time. So I just open a notebook and I'll just let the ideas flow for two and a half weeks. You know, mm. just no order, just you know, either on Evernote or on my computer or on my email or on little notes. I'll just let the ideas flow and then a few days beforehand, I bring those ideas together and start to storyboard them into some kind of order. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Now, I just want to ask you as well, We talk, you were mentioning a little bit about, um, I think you mentioned about uh, sort of slide design and take, you know, what mm. a designer would do. Should we... Should we always design our slides ourselves, or do you think there's some instances when it's worth using a designer for, for, to do them? Because sometimes I see slides that look like they've been, at, at conferences in particular, look like they've been really um, created by a good design company. If you can afford a design company, then fantastic. Then use one if that's what you want to do. However, what I'm more interested in is teaching us in a simple way, teaching leaders in a simple way to design their slides in a simpler, easier way. Because what a designer will probably do is maybe make things a little more complicated or things that can't be moved around. Maybe they give you a static image or a PDF to use. And actually you want to be able to just tweak a few words here and there. So it's actually the best thing to do, if you can, is either do them yourselves or at least get you know, your PA or somebody to start doing them, but make sure they know how to write slides too. So you can actually... Design So you get used to seeing things in a different way. So when you look at an image, you'll see a little blank bit of the image and you can think, ah, right, okay, I can put some text there. And you just get used to seeing things slightly differently. And there's a few little tools you can use uh, even without using Photoshop, just within PowerPoint and Keynote particularly, which is the one I use because I'm a Mac user, has some wonderful things like uh, Instant Alpha where you can crop images. It's just some brilliant tools that are just built in, and you don't need to be a designer to use them, Chris. So, so would you recommend, there's a good point there, because I, I use Mac as well, and I use Keynote, but I'm thinking actually I'm probably use, only using a percentage of the capability of Keynote. Is it worthwhile studying you know, studying the instructions or from Apple or 
awesome YouTube videos and things like that to really understand what you can do with it. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of YouTube videos out there. Um, I'm I'm just designing a whole online course myself at the moment, Chris. So I'm I'm because people are asking me how do I actually do this. So I'm just currently starting to do that with loads of videos and screenshots and stuff like that because people just want to know the basics. How do I how do I you know use an image? Uh, and there's lots of the problem with PowerPoint and Keynote is if you get too too deep with it. You'll start using fancy animations and things, and you'll start having things zooming in and spinning round and and all of that stuff. To be really honest, I think it's just overkill. We don't need to have things spinning around in the background because that just becomes a problem for cognitive load theory. It just it just fills people's brains for no apparent reason. I'm all about the simplicity, um, all about the simplicity, which was first mentioned by Gar Reynolds with his his book Presentation Zen which is a really deep book about Japanese culture and presentations. If you want to read that, if you want a, a deep read, then uh, there's some great stuff that he's written on that. Excellent. So what's his name again? Uh, that's Gar Reynolds, G-A-R-R Reynolds. He's written Presentation Zen and a few other books. So Gar Reynolds and Nancy Duarte, who they do know each other, I think, are probably, you know, they were the first people to really start talking about restraint in design and restraint in slide design. Makes a lot of sense. And one, one um, phrase that I, I remember that you use, and I've seen you use this on, on a stage, is you tend to like to say the think billboard rather than document. Do you want to explain what you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I first, uh, Nancy Duarte first started talking about, about, about this in her book, in her book Slideology. And I just love that. She, she talks about it being that slides are more akin to a, being a, what, what they call a glance media what she calls a glance media. So basically, she talks about the three-second rule. So I just try to take that a bit further and say, look, when you, you know, if you're driving on a motorway, you've only got three seconds, as she says, three seconds to glance at something. On a motorway, you're not going to get a whole list of bullet points that you have to take in. It'll just, it'll just say, slow down 50 miles an hour or whatever. And so slides need to be dealt with in the same way. Just literally, can you glance at them? So it's a billboard, not a document. And once we understand that it's a billboard and not a document, or as, or as Gar Reynolds calls it, a slidement, which is, a, which, is, <laughs> which is the combination of the two, once we understand it's a billboard, then we design it in completely different ways, Chris. Mm. And, and I, I suppose the, part of the purpose of that is that what, when we're standing and speaking, you know, we as human beings want to engage with the audience and uh, maybe there's a, a risk if your slides are too fancy that people are just engaging with the slides and will forget you altogether. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even that horror stories, you know, you know, can, ever, can we switch off the lights now so we can see the slides? Yeah. It's like, it's like no, 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 don't, don't, don't switch <laughs> out the lights because we, we need to see the presenter's face and the slides, hopefully. Hopefully we can do both, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to go to uh, another commercial break now. It's our final one, and then we should be back with you again in, in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Lee Jackson, the PowerPoint surgeon, and we're talking about PowerPoint surgery and creating great slides that make your message stick. And before the break, we talked about uh, things like um, you know, what constitutes great slides and how we should plan our presentations and how we should, whether we should use designers to design the slides. And also I think that really important point about thinking billboard rather than document and, and making sure that people are looking at uh, you rather than just the slides and being able to get the message from the slides in about three seconds. So earlier, Lee, you were talking about uh, bullet points and they are built into PowerPoint and Keynote and sometimes they can work. Um, how best, uh, in your opinion, do we use bullet points? The best way to use bullet points is not to use them at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being slightly controversial, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, if we rely on them, the best way is to try and ignore them completely. Uh, there's a few ways of doing that, though, so I won't leave you uh, and your listeners in the lurch because some people may have passed out when they heard me say no bullet points ever. Uh, what well, One way is... Um, if you instead of using bullet points, say if you've got four bullet points on a slide, make four slides out of it. Yeah. So simply extend the bullet points and put a picture or some or whatever, you know, and make four point make four slides out of it. That's one way of doing it because bullet points are really designed for documents. So you know, even before the show, you know, you sent me a few notes about the show and what to expect and the timings and all that kind of stuff because you're very organised, Chris, and I like that. And uh, but you know, and in there is a few bullet points, isn't there? Because yes. it makes sense in a word document 
to have those bullet points. But they don't really work in presentations. And it was Gar Reynolds that first kind of pointed that out in presentations. Then he just said, you know, bullets just, they're just not really effective in a live talk. They're designed for documents. And because we're not creating a document, we're creating a slide for an audience, then try and avoid them if you can. I think that was one of the most significant things I took away from seeing you speak about this was that was that point and you know my my slide deck now for my keynote all it is is a is a, is a, a point sometimes three or four words that's it in the corner of a slide with a photograph um, and usually a, usually it's a personal photograph but one that I've taken but not always yeah. and I think that point you made there the reality is people can't take five or six points or seven points on a bullet point slide and if you can compartmentalize their their minds so they're looking at one subject and one point at once on one slide it's it's much more easy to digest isn't it yeah it's almost if you imagine the slide being an illustra- an illustration for whatever you're speaking about at the time so you you know you want it to back up what you say and just having a list of bullet points i mean even if they're revealed one at a time they can still see the previous ones or if you reveal them all at the same time and they've read ahead of you and so when you get to the fifth bullet, they've already read the fifth bullet, which makes your presentation automatically more dull because you're telling them something they already know. The whole idea of presenting is to reveal things, isn't it, Chris? You know, that you, you know, here's the piece of wisdom I want to give you. Here's a story that you've not heard before. Reveal those bits of wisdom. But if you've already put your stuff on the screen, then... You know, people are just going to be a bit bored, frankly. You know, there's something though, Lee, I, that I find with you know there was this technique which people refer to as the reveal technique. Which personally, if there's six or seven bullet points and someone's revealing them to me one by one on a slide, I get really frustrated with that. But then, but I actually don't notice it if they're, each of the points are on separate slides. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I kind of that, that you know just uncovering one by one by one. Um, it, it can be. I don't know. I don't know whether it's just a, it's just a something mm. that's gone out of vogue, or whether it's just um, sometimes it suggests to me. I think well, I could t- I sit there and think well, I could take I could take five or six points in when I really can't. Maybe I'm maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you remember, we're going back to the OHPs and the acetates and even the overhead projectors. When someone would say something, they'd often you know they'd write it down after they'd said it. Mm. Maybe so they might write it on the screen. But now with PowerPoint, we reveal something and then talk about it. So if you want people to remember, remind things, and then they'll, they'll take notes. and They'll write it in their phone or on their iPad or whatever, and uh, they'll take what they need to take from it. Because I, I don't tend to, to write down the main points of a talk. Uh, when I'm making notes, I tend to make down the reflections that I've taken from it. Do you, do you see the difference? Mm. You know, it's like, okay, what do I need to do about this? You know, when I hear you talking about you know, mindset or something or entrepreneurial stuff. And I'm like, what am I taking away from that? Not just what Chris has said, but what am I taking away from that? And I think that's really important. The, you know, the point about pictures then, and sometimes people say pictures mm. um, tell a thousand, uh, is it a thousand words or say a thousand uh, stories or we all, we all see a picture and we'll interpret it in different ways and it'll have different meanings yeah. for all of us. So you're right. People, anybody sitting in an audience looking at a presentation, they're pretty much likely to come out with, you know, a huge range of differing ideas, mm. action points, 
because they're they're different and they see the world differently. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's true, and that's a good thing, isn't it? You want people to sometimes, uh, you know, when I get feedback after my talk, uh, people will tell me that I've said something that I haven't even said. Oh, I liked it when you said that, and I think I didn't actually say that. But actually what it was is it sparked something off in their mind and they, they, they went down that road and actually that was learning for them, you know. And I, I'm fine with that. But I think what's great about images, if, if we just need to get into the habit of collecting images. So we all have great cameras on our phones now. You know, some of them are, you know, several megapixels and, you know, some of the really top-end phones have got amazing cameras on it, especially when you're outside. But just start collecting photographs quirky things that you see you know not just family stuff but interesting things and you know posters and patterns and things like that and just start collecting um your own library that's the easiest way of doing it chris because people get fed up with stock photos don't they um and i certainly do and yeah it's nice to see unique pictures that people have taken on their phone or uh, yeah absolutely i mean I, I use a lot of stock images but but I have a very strict filtering technique with stock images because, you know, everyone tends to use the popular ones, which are basically, you know, in business, they're people shaking hands, you know. Um, you know, a kind of group, uh, a dive, an ethnically diverse group of business people smiling or with their thumbs up, you know. All this kind of stuff is really kind of cheesy and it doesn't really work. So even if with stock photographs, there's some good ones out there, but use them really well. Use use them in you know in in the right way, and uh, I found a, a site. There's several sites out there, but Big Stock Photo is the one that I use for stock photographs because it tends to be a little bit cheaper than some of the other ones. Um, but basically, look out there, but don't use the obvious ones. You know, people shaking hands in front of a globe. The, <laughs> these things are not good, Chris. <laughs> no, <laughs> the two hands coming together, uh, shaking, oh. shaking hands. Yeah, we all very special. It's the same with websites as well, isn't it? You look at so many things, oh gosh, I've used that photo myself in the past. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I, I spoke in an event down in London and it just sort of a picture tells a thousand words. I, I just put up this picture that I use of my dog, who's, who's a, a Labradoodle. And I was just mm. sort of explaining that sometimes, you know, owners are a bit like the dogs and my dog likes to, you know, he likes to, run around and gets excited about things and then there's times when he just likes to you know be lazy and uh, uh, and lounge around and I said you know sometimes I'm a bit like that so I kind of need techniques to make sure I don't lounge around and somebody yeah. someone came to me afterwards and she said you know she, um, the thing I really took from that she said is um, I, I'm, I'm just um, I'm never ever going to labradoodle about again and I thought <laughs> I, I never thought about that <laughs> she, just, she just used this uh, labradoodling about um, Very good. I like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, she she picked up something I'd never I'd not picked up, even though it kind of meant the same thing, really. Um, <laughs> do we do we need to take care? That you mentioned there about um, big stock photo, mm. and uh, obviously with big stock photo, you kind of buy the images. Uh, I've I've known people get really unstuck with things like poems in books or. or oh, yeah. a poem on the website or putting a, a a quote. And we're writing a book at the moment, trying to get people to agree we can put the quotes in it and uh, do we need to take care of who owns the images to avoid us getting into trouble yes you do uh, I mean stock images you're okay with a stock image if you buy a stock image you can use it for pretty much anything you need to check the the things but I mean if you 
just go to Google Images and find an image, then you, you need to be careful how you use it. I mean, going into print is much, much stricter, stricter than it is doing a presentation, but you need to be careful where the images are from, which is why you start collecting a few of your own or borrow some of your friends, all that kind of stuff. But these are other ways of doing it. There's um, a great website called photopin.com. That's photopin.com. That was given to me by another PSA member, and um, the, 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 that searches Creative Commons photos. So Creative Commons is basically where people have said, you can use my photograph, just say that, just, just you know, don't sell it and just mention it's from me. Yes. So you can use Creative Commons pictures as well. But ultimately, you know, if you're looking for a story, for a talk, you know, you don't go to a, you know, storyonwebsites.com, you know, type thing. You don't actually use your own story. So if you can use your own image, even better. Y- yes. So good idea. Start collecting them. Mm. Can I, a big tip about images can I just give you a tip about images Chris yeah. the main thing about images is that people forget about is bleed your image off the screen so in order to make it better bleed your image off the screen so often people will just will have a title at the top or a few words and they'll just have a, an image in a box or not even in a box just plonked on the, on the slide well actually grab that image Use shift on your keyboard. It's the only technical thing I'll tell you today. Use shift on your keyboard and drag that image so it stays the right, so it doesn't get squashed. And then drag the photograph off the edges of the slide so that when you use it, it goes into the full screen mode. Yeah. So that, yes, that means you need to have a high enough resolution. You need to have a good enough quality image to do that. But if you do that, it just makes it much, much easier, much better because um, you've got a f- big full image filling the whole screen. And if you can do that, that's the easiest way of simplifying your presentation slides. That really gives uh, impact, doesn't it? Now, do, you, do you have any recommendations on, um, say, using video not in, in, a, in a slide? Mm. Not talked about that. Yeah, uh, video, yeah, I use video a bit. I mean, Apple Keynote uh, uses video really well. So you can literally kind of plonk video onto your slide. Uh, with PowerPoint, it's a little more tricky. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't seem to use it quite as well. Um, as I say, it doesn't use it natively, but on a Mac, it uses this, uses fantastic stuff. So just kind of plonk it and then f- try and fill it up as well. Fill the screen if you can. But also with video, always keep your video short, in my opinion. Uh, adverts are perfect, you know, 30 seconds, one minute long. Never have a video more than three minutes. Otherwise, it just slows things down. So I always encourage people to use videos as a launch pad, I always say not a landing mat, you know? So use a video to launch a subject. Don't use it to make your point. Do you therefore need to be careful around making sure you've got adequate sound system or something, you know, sound to get that out? Because uh, you, you could easily have a video and, uh, and it not project across the whole room. Yeah. It's not, you know, through a system of some kind. Yeah, making sure you've got a good projector and make sure that you've got, you know, good sound. I've got a speaker that I carry around with me. Or you can get a little Bluetooth speaker that you could carry with you that would work just as well, Chris. You know what I mean? Uh, there's lots of really powerful Bluetooth-type speakers now. So just put it in your laptop bag, get a decent speaker. Yes, yes, and uh, make sure that's a uh, good point. Is there anything else practically that we need to? we just got a couple of minutes um, that we need to really... Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, one tip is uh, try and avoid getting a projector all over your clothing and on your face. 
you know that kind of when you sometimes yeah. get the project and you, you end up in shadow with a, someone's name tattooed on your forehead you know that kind of, <laughs> the best way to do that is take a little bit of masking tape with you I don't know whether that's an international thing but take a bit of tape with you and when you get to the venue find out how close you can get to the screen without any of it being on your clothing and put a bit of tape there and put a bit of tape on the other side of the screen so you know how close you can get without it being all over your shirt or or your dress um, or on your forehead. A tip that somebody shared with me the other day um, was to use a black slide rather than a white slide if you've got a break. Um, yeah, black's great. Press B on your keyboard or go to a black slide. Yeah. Um, or if you have a clicker like mine does, I can go to black slides. If you want people to their attention to come back to you, they just click, go to a black slide, and they'll ignore the screen, and they'll come back to you for a key story or something like that. Good, good point. So we're about to um, close now, but I just wonder if you've got any key messages that you'd really like to leave us with. Yeah, don't, don't get precious about your PowerPoint. You know, it's just a tool to be used. Slides are a tool. So you know, don't get precious about it. Look at you, look you know, at the stuff. Have a look at my website. You can see some good practice there. Uh, you know, maybe have a glance at my book. You can look at that for free, um, you know, on Amazon and all that kind of stuff. But have a look at some good examples. But use a lot more images. And remember, it's a billboard, not a document. And you'll really start to see it in a much different way, Chris. Fantastic. Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, and uh, talking about PowerPoint surgery and, uh, and not talking about gardening. Well, I appreciate not talking about gardening, yes. I mean, it's, hopefully I've made what could be a geeky subject into something quite plain and simple. I hope, that, I hope your listeners enjoyed that. No, that was really, really great. Some really helpful, valuable subject, I think, for many people. So uh, thank you very much for that. And um, your book, PowerPoint Surgery, people can buy that on Amazon if they want to. Yeah, all across the world is available on Amazon or Kindle, yeah. Fantastic. So if you want to find out more about Lee Jackson, go to leejackson.biz. Or you can find him on Twitter at, at Lee Jackson. Uh, once again, thanks again to Lee. Thank you for listening and to Voice America for their help and support with the recording. And uh, I shall speak to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 